and welcome to another episode of the Daily Red Podcast. I am your host, Bianca Wiley, arts enthusiast, performer and media creative. You will hear stories about the projects gracing the Queensland art scene and the artists' behind-the-scenes journeys. Sit back, relax and let's get into it. As I mentioned last week, the episode was split into two parts. So welcome to part two of my conversation with actor Oliver Hetherington Page as we discuss his show, The No Bang Theory. Oliver and I have talked in the past Mm -hmm. and we have spoken about the authenticity and the honesty that should drive comedy. Now, when looking at a show like The Big Bang Theory, often uh, Sheldon's mannerisms became the comedy. Yeah. I think one of the things that was so successful with your show was the fact your experiences drove the comedy. Even though the experiences may have come from your mannerisms, mm-hmm. it was the experience of the comedy and not you. I think the fact that you had the toy mm-hmm. and the fact that you wanted to go to, was it fame? Yes. I think all those things were just so funny because they were authentic and honest. And even if you don't have autism as an artist... Mm-hmm. You can relate to that and that excitement. Yes, and I think there's a saying, I think it's a Mel Brooks quote, that comedy, tragedy plus comedy is time. Tragedy and comedy are intrinsically interlinked. And what Mel Brooks did was he took his experience as a, well, a Jewish man growing up in World War II and the Holocaust, he made The Producers, which is a mm. giant giant piss take on the holocaust and he has always said that the reason that is funny is that you know we removed the power of what the horrors that hitler perpetrated to jewish people to romani people to queer people and to disabled people that um by making fun of hitler and i think what i was trying to do with the no bang theory is make fun of the gross generalizations and the stereotypes and bring it back to authenticity. And you talk about things like going to fame. Fame to me was a safe haven and a place that I adored, but there was also great sadness there and a great longing for something. But I'm able to look at it on a big picture level and go, really, it's, you know, it's funny. And I think that's what's human and important about making a show, and it's why I'm so proud of the show, is that it is funny. It is not a 60-minute lecture on, this is what autism is actually like, which would have been boring. There are great TED Talks that do mm. that. That was not what I was trying to do. I you was set out to entertain. I set out to entertain and to tell a story that both neurotypical and autistic people could relate to and see themselves in, to um, get something out of it and learn something along the way while also being entertained and having a broader conversation, which is why I think this is so amazing that we spent, even though it's in two parts for you podcast listeners, for me it was one long, winding, rambling conversation. I agree. I found this so inspiring and really fascinating to listen to today. I can tell that your mum has rubbed off on you a little bit in a teacher way Mm because you can explain it in such a succinct and simple way. 
where I can actually understand exactly where you're coming from and you point out the issues, but also your passion as an artist drives the conversation. And that's really unique. Yeah. Now, I am going to ask a few more questions that's so fine. that we can actually get to the heart and the core of your show and what yeah. went into it. So some of my favorite moments were when you did the parodies of the famous songs from musicals, um, yeah. even things like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I thought was hilarious. How did you initially come up with the idea to include these in the show and then put them to your own lyrics? Um, necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> um, I knew from the very beginning that it had to be a musical because I, I love music theatre. It is a special interest of mine. I hyperfixate on it. So I can, you know, name every musical and I have a top 100. Like, I just... I'm good at recalling facts and just coming out with, you know... I can do that. Yep. And it just kind of made sense to for it to be a musical. And originally the kind of idea was it would all just be the songs and there would be no parodying involved. And it would just be the songs themselves because by bringing my authentic lived experience, it would give a different context to the songs. So that was the original idea. I didn't want parodies. I just wanted the songs to speak for themselves. Then I kind of realized, wait, there's not necessarily the song that I need for this moment in the show. I need a great opening number that speaks and gets everyone up on their feet. Oh, well, there's not really one. It needs to feel like, oh, what a beautiful morning, but oh, what a beautiful morning doesn't work lyrically wise. And so we debated it and debated it, but Alex Woodward and I really kind of debated this moment going, do we kind of shuffle the show, do a different opening... How do we do this? And we kind of came to the conclusion that it's like, no, let's just do Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Because that song is asinine as all get out. It is boring. Good old Oklahoma. Yeah, it's boring as <laughs> batshit. But if we actually kind of break it down, it is perfectly formulated for Oh, What a Beautiful Morning at the start, then, you know, it is a perfectly formed musical. And so then when we're taking the form of a musical, we need a big opening number. So I'm about to sneeze. Bless you. Thank you. Um, big opening number. Okay, let's do Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Let's parody the hell out of it. And then once we had that, we then could go, okay, I, I do a Gilbert and Sullivan parody song. That was because Gilbert and Sullivan is in the public domain which means I did not have to pay copyright. Ah, that's ne convenient. <laughs> necessity is the mother of invention. Every decision in that show that you go, why would you do it like that? I wouldn't have thought of it like that, is because necessity necessitated going, okay, how do we do this? How do we get from point A to point yeah. B? I know, let's do this thing. is a bit like that we had a case a few years ago where we mm. did the uh, secret garden for anywhere yeah. festival and i played mary lennox yeah and it just so happened to be that as the author had mm -hmm. uh, already been dead for 100 years it was yeah. in the public domain you could do whatever you wanted with the show yeah now i want to focus a little bit more on 
what you were able to achieve through the show. And one of those things was on opening night from your previous snowbang season, Mm -hmm. you were granted the Access Arts Achievement Award, which included $10,000 to help support and further your career. Yes. What did it mean to you to be able to be recognized for your work? And how is this a grant allowing you further opportunity for your work? Look, that was very exciting and I did not know it was happening. So I'm going to take a step back and then go forward. Um, that award came kind of out of the blue. I applied for it and I went, okay, I'm not going to get that. You know, that as you do, you, you have a sense of what you're going to get and what you're not. And I didn't think I was going to get it. So I kind of, but you have to be in it to win it, you know. Um, and I'd run into the um, person who the person who gave me the award about a week before at an event and I had asked them kind of generally oh so you know this is coming out when that approximately going to be and I got a kind of oh you know it's not really a kind of go away oh like brushed under the carpet kind of thing brushed under the kind like not being rude but she I now realise was trying not to tell me Oliver you won but <laughs> I felt very kind of brushed off and so I'm like okay again that probably means I'm not going to win let's adjust expectations because I think one of the things that's very important to me is expectation management I don't want to be in a situation where I think I'm going to win this award and then I don't and get emotionally devastated so I try to expectation manage so I, I did it I went okay I'm not going to get it. it's going to go to someone else and that's fine I'm going to be fine I'm going to live I will get on, I'll get the next one, you know. And then on the night of the show, my co-producers came to me and said, Oliver, after the show, just go straight into the audience and mingle with people who have come to see the show because we have a quick turnaround to the next show. So just sit in the audience and people, you know, don't go backstage and then come back out. Fair enough, good. So I sit down after the show and then my co-producer gets on stage and says, oh, we have a bit of announcement to make. And then the woman who gave me the award came up and I went, no, this is not meant to be happening right now. (laughs) And my brain clicks and readjusts and goes, am I winning the Access Arts Achievement Award? No, I I, I, I can't be winning the Access Arts Achievement. It's a beautiful moment though. And then, you know, I did, I cried, I proceeded to get... I didn't get wildly drunk. That's a slight <laughs> exaggeration. I but drunk enough. But drunk enough. Um, and celebrated, and it was a really nice evening. Um, yeah. As for what it means, I, I that's a long way of getting to what it means. I don't know yet. I know that it will help me produce the show. Santa Claus is autistic. Because he makes a list and he checks it twice and that is not the most autistic thing I've ever heard. I don't know what is. Which will do a similar thing with music theatre, Christmas songs, you know, really kind of explore the idea of all these characteristics that we think about with Santa are autistic characteristics. And when Santa does it, you know, he's celebrated as this hero of childhood. But when I exhibit those same characteristics, mm. I'm shunned, I'm ostracised. Like, what's wrong with you kind of thing. Yes. Kind of using Santa instead of Sheldon Cooper to kind of compare and contrast. Yeah. It's a spiritual sequel to the No Bang Theory. Are you going to work with Alex on this one, <gasps> The Christmas King? I 
he has his Christmas show. He'll probably be involved in some respect, but I think it will probably be a lot of people who were involved in the No Bank Theory. Lewis Jones, who was came on as director, and um, Timothy Forrester as musical director, will probably come back. And one of the things I'm trying to do is create a neurodiversity choir made up of autistic and ADHD people to kind of give a big voice and go I'm not one but I'm part of many but other than that I don't know what it means because it happened in December last year and I'm sure that it will grow and I'll get more opportunities from it because one of the things about the award is that it is a for a start of career person who they see as having potential to grow and they need this for the next step and I think that's really interesting about me as an emerging artist which is why I talk about I will now talk about the fact that this week I was nominated for the Matilda Award for Best Emerging Artist is that I'm kind of a guinea pig for autistic artists that there haven't been openly autistic artists for so long that I'm the guinea pig that go is the first in so many different ways that I'm always learning and I'm always making opportunities for myself. There is no there is no clear career path that I can emulate and follow because there hasn't been autistic artists that I can emulate and follow and go, I want that person. Mm. But I'm always aware of that because I know little Jimmy from Brisbane who's watching and listening to this going, I want to make theatre one day can go, oh, well, Oliver, you know, he started with a one-man cabaret, he then did this, he then did that, he then did that. As an emerging artist, I'm creating a path that people coming after me can follow, and it is a privilege that I'm distinctly aware of, which is why I think the Access Arts Achievement Award, the Matilda nomination, and No Bang Theory is so important. And, you know, I why I'm doing this conversation. So, little Jimmy can listen to it and go oh no he is thinking about it and you know knows you're quite a trailblazer and this is your life's work now before i move on to shining a little bit of a light on the queensland arts scene i want to go back to the show yeah and one of the things i loved from the show were your costumes your brilliant jackets yeah um i myself am a little bit of an eccentric character my granny's most certainly an eccentric character only Mm -hmm. ever wore sequins her whole life how did you, first of all, use those jackets, you know, to transport from scene to scene and moment and emotion? And where did they come from? They're so cool. Uh, again, necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> um, it was... Originally, there was going to be two costume changes. The ones very signposted in the show. The dream ballet section was going to have a costume change. And the final number was going to be sequence. That was always in the script. <laughs> I just knocked my glasses. It's fine. Um, the rest of the jackets were... I had them. And my director was like, we need something to kind of split it up. We need some movement. And I went, I have 20 jackets. <laughs> Why don't we just put a coat rack at the back of the stage 
and every time that it needs to be a scene transition we change the jackets we find a way of bringing the jackets in and then it becomes part of the show and we added the section where I kind of explained the jackets but it was a necessity of going if we want this to not just feel like me standing on stage explaining autism for 60 minutes it needs some movement it needs scenes we need to kind of break it up and the jackets became part of the the journey of necessitating the dramatic structure if you don't mind me asking now the show that i went to the jackets fell over yes that became actually to me i think a little bit slapstick Mm -hmm. even though it was not intentional but i did find it like slapstick comedy it did make me laugh but you had a moment on stage where i saw you needed to reset yourself yeah as an artist when things go wrong what were you thinking about in that moment look I've never done no bang perfectly once. I, I don't think you can ever do a show perfectly. There's always going to be a mistake. Sometimes it's big, like the jackets, bigger, like the jackets falling over. The night before, all the placards <laughs> fell down. Oh no. Um, on one occasion, the piano just stopped working. Throwing you all these little challenges to deal with. All these little challenges. And what I kind of do is there is now a safety mechanism built into the show. The joke about autism is we don't adjust quickly and, you know, we can't cope with change. So what I do is I play into that and go, okay, I've got to fix the problem, you know. And I, you, for audio listeners, I've made a bunch of mouth movements when I was being silent. I realised this is a audio medium and you can't right. hear that. Um, but, you know, micro-adjustments very quickly exploding. Stress, stress, stress. Okay, fix problem. If a built-in plan B. A built-in plan B that is built in and it will always get a laugh. And you're right, it is slapstick comedy. It's going, oh, he's trying and he wants to fix it but he can't and that's funny, it's endearing, it's sweet. It works because it's, again, about the authenticity of using autism and the stereotypes of it Mm. and the truth of it. And being open about it. And being open about it. And on one occasion, my accompanist always has the script on him. Okay. Because when I was first doing the show, you know, there's a lot of dialogue. There is a lot of dialogue, yes. And a lot of songs. And look, I knew the show. But there's always the possibility that I'm going to go blank. Yeah, of course. So what we did was we gave him the script. And the deal was with most things you try to subtly get the pianist or the person with the script to give you the prompt to... And I'm like, no. The thing is you go, Tim, what is my line I have forgotten? You, You know, the joke is we are not hiding anything. We are putting it there to go okay and there's a theatricality to that there's also a kind of again autistic realness to that of Mm, going the honesty the honesty the brutalness the just no filterness of I forgot my line I need help please help me Mm. that is intrinsically more authentic than for me than hiding behind ah funny I don't know what I'm doing please help yeah, of course. But it's, a, again, necessity is a mother of invention. It works because I'm 
going back to a matter of authenticity, but also being inventive in how we use that authenticity. Because there are plenty of authentic shows that are shit and self-indulgent. It's like, oh, it's authentic to my experience. Like, just because it's authentic doesn't mean it's good. Mm. But if you can use authenticity to create something, then it is going to be better for it. But you do actually need to create something and invent something and be, you know, necessitate that. Yeah. I think little Jimmy is very lucky to have a person like you showing what it's like and how to, if you ever have a problem on stage, rectify the solution without, you know, falling into a ball or completely blanking. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I like to do before asking, what else are you working on, Mm. is talking a little bit about the Queensland art scene. Um, My podcast is about the Queensland art scene and I love to shine a light on it. Now, I think it's fabulous and there's a lot of support and Mm -hmm. a lot of funding on offer if you have access to it. How has the scene been able to support you and allow you to grow so far as an artist? Look, what I love about the Queensland art scene and I think it is for me, missing in the limited experience I've had in other cities is that it's a community, it's a spider's web. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. I feel like that with Brisbane in In entirety. Yeah, but I think it's particularly true of the art scene. So I think what it has allowed me to do is this one show has been seen by, I'd say, 70% of arts practitioners in Brisbane. That's brilliant. So it has allowed me to build connections and build relationships. And look, that might come to stuff. It might not. But it has opened doors and built conversations, which has meant when they're next thinking of a project, we need someone to learn a lot of lines really quickly and be funny and awkward and charming Oliver did no bang and that was all that you know and so I'm then pushed in that direction Mm. and I think that's what I love about the art scene is the community of it the dark dark side of it and the downside of it is if you're not part of that community it can become very insular very quickly and we've for for a long time, I wouldn't have been able to be a part of it because there's ableism and disability inclusion was not as high as it is now, and it is still got a lot of work to do. But you can be part of that movement. But I can be a part of that movement. But what has been good is pushing through and really kind of as I break in, I'm having conversations. Mm. And I'm not... There are the disabled artists also having conversations. I'm not alone in it. But it's starting to happen. And I think that's what's so interesting about the arts community is it is constantly evolving and constantly moving. But you can't... This is going to sound very egotistical of me and I apologise for that if it does. I see a lot of young artists trying to change the system... It's broken. It's fundamentally broken. Let's tear it all down and rebuild it. I'm like, it's that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Like, the system is what the system is, and the system has built itself over decades. The best way for that to 
change is to be a part of it and build with it. And you can yell the system has problems, and it does. Do not get me wrong. The system is inclusive and still has work to do when it comes to race, sexuality, all these different things. It is, you know, it is what it is. It is a reflection of society, and society still has a long way to go. Um, but I think if you're a part of the arts community, you're you're going to have more success than if you're on the outside looking in, going, oh, I want to change the system. I'm like, be a part of the system. Come see shows. Go see shows. Talk to people. Because we want to include you. Mm. But if we don't know your show is on, I, I want to see as much as I can. I can't see everything. So I go to see the shows that I hear about. Mm. You have to be active. You have to be an active participant in the industry. Because if you are active and give to the industry, the industry will give back. But if you kind of just produce shows... Great, awesome. But an empty audience. Mm. That's heartbreaking. That's, having an empty audience. It's heartbreaking, but it's also like, okay, your mum, your dad, your grandma came to see the show. <laughs> That's cool. It's great to perform for mum, dad and grandma. I love it. But if, you know, it's just mum, dad and grandma, do it in your backyard. I, I, I know I'm sounding very harsh, but it's a reality it of... It is the reality. ...of the industry and... For both good and, you know, bad. But I think... Yeah, I think the industry can support itself and can continue to grow to include you. But for a while, you're just going to have to push. And it is going to be a push. And I am still pushing. But I go to things. And I say hi to people. And I take opportunities. And it's... Sometimes things that push you outside your comfort zone. Like, I was at an event where the arts minister was there oh, last yes. week. Um, oh, that was the painting. Yes. I covered that story. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> uh, so I went to that event and I saw that the arts minister was standing by herself for a, a minute or so. And I went, okay, I'm going to go introduce myself. <laughs> And I took that opportunity, which meant I got to talk to the Arts Minister. And look, I don't know if that will lead to anything. But then if down the line I see the Arts Minister again, I can go, hi, we met at... Yeah, and you have that rapport. And you need that initiative. I think that's something that's so powerful in arts and media. You have to make yourself known, otherwise you disappear into the background. Because there are so many people that want to get into this industry. Yeah. It's the reason we love art is because it's fascinating it's a world that we don't see and it's what draws people to it but if you actually want to make it it requires guts and it requires a lot of pushing and a lot of initiative and a lot of you know chutzpah yeah i just i think it's an interesting industry to break into is that to answer your question about what i think of the queensland arts industry I think there's not much more you can add to that. And I think that's very true in especially arts and media. Just mm -hmm. putting yourself out there, pushing and pushing and pushing to get your name out there and getting people to come to your shows. Like your mum, for mm -hmm. me, has been a massive help. She introduced me to Alex and, of course, to you. And through Alex, I had other people come up to me at the yeah. um, 
very naughty Christmas and say, I'd be interested in talking. Like, you just need to make your connections as well. Yeah. But to wrap this up, do you have any other projects? You mentioned um, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Yeah. Will you take, for example, the Norbag Theory on the road in time to come? Look, we're going to Redlands on March 2nd. I have a couple of venues loosely locked in, but I don't want to jinx them just yet. Um, obviously, we the Matilda Awards are coming up at the end of February. And to any artists listening to this, go to the Matilda Awards. It is a great networking event. Like, even if you're nominated for nothing, or, you know, not nominated, or every artist in Queens, like, the scene is going to be there. Mm. And they're going to have a couple of drinks and get chatty. Yeah. <laughs> it happens inevitably. And if you and as we to go back to link to the arts industry conversation that we had, you want to put that initiative in, go to those events. They're the types of events that you want to go to because not everyone's going to get into opening night. And you talked about my mother. I think I'm a nepho baby on the tiniest scale that is Brisbane Theatre. It's a tiny, tiny platform. But I understand that my mum being who my mum is has given me access to a cup, you know, given me access to opening nights. It gave me access to press events and has given me opportunities. That doesn't mean I didn't do the work. Of course not. And I think her help was very important for you as well because you have something that's different. Yeah. And something that's educational and informational. Yeah. So if you get that opportunity and if you know someone, take mm, it. Take it. And I think, yeah, I'm doing Santa Claus as autistic. I have a couple of, I've got a school touring show that might okay. get developed. I don't, again, don't necessarily want to jinx it, but there are things that are happening. And, you know, the thing about, another thing about the arts is you throw in a hundred seeds Maybe two or three will come to plant. But you have to throw out 100 seeds. Because if you're only throwing out two to three seeds... You're not doing enough. The chances of those seeds planting diminishes greatly. But if you throw out hundreds of seeds and only two and three plant, that's good. You have been a wealth of knowledge. Say one more time, Oliver, when we can go see your next show. March 2nd at Redlands Performing Arts Centre. I'm sure there'll be a link in the podcast description yes, I'll attach one well i have so enjoyed talking to you today and i hope anyone listening has as well isn't oliver a wealth of knowledge for all things arts queensland orders and representation and just authenticity it's been really wonderful to speak to you today oliver thank you for your time thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Red Podcast. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok for more. And we'll be with you again soon. Bye.